You have tuned into a study of Paul's epistle to the Galatians, and we have come to that section known as the works of the flesh, Galatians 5.19. Listen as I read. Now the works of the flesh are plain, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. This section was introduced by verses 16 through 18, which tell believers that they face a continual battle within them. It is the spirit versus the flesh, and the flesh versus the spirit each seeking to influence and control the child of God. What the believer does indicates to which one he yields. Those who have not believed in Christ do not experience this battle described here. The battle requires opponents, and they, those who have not believed, have the flesh, but they don't have the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches that the Spirit is given only to those who trust in Christ to save them. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, you Christians in Rome, you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now this passage expresses an ownership, and God claims ownership of those who believe in his wonderful Son for salvation. Only those who are his have the Spirit, and the Spirit is the seal, he's the assurance, and he is the guarantee of eternal life. The Spirit indwells the believer. That is a clear teaching of the New Testament. Now, the Spirit in the Christian desires to bear fruit in the Christian so that he will become more like Christ, who is the perfect one. But the flesh, which is our human nature and has a propensity to satisfy itself, opposes the Spirit and exhibits itself by the list in verses 19 through 21, which we just read. These are referred to as works or deeds of the flesh. They are common in most unbelievers and are possible in the life of the believer. In yesterday's program, we discussed the first three, which are sexual sins, fornication, impurity, and licentiousness, and following that, we discuss the next two, which are rebellion against God by association with evil powers, and those are listed as idolatry and sorcery. So today we pick up with enmity. Enmity is also translated hatred. One can have enmity without being conscious of it, as James indicates, he wrote, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, hatred existed in the first century just as it does today. There was hatred between Greek and barbarian, between Jew and Gentile, 
in between slave and free. Believers, of course, are urged to be different. They are to be like Christ, and Christ hated no one. Now the next in the list is strife, also called discord. It's strife that divides people, and there is strife in churches. Christians often display strife. This results from hateful attitudes, and it can be identified by insulting language and the desire to demolish another person in an argument rather than to defend the truth. When people argue in church or in a Bible class, it's not usually for the truth. It's usually to win the argument. Pride does that to us. Now we come to jealousy. And this is a work of the flesh that aims at superiority. Our Lord taught his disciples to be different from people who were jealous. Listen to Mark chapter 10, verse 42, as Jesus speaks. He said, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them. And great men, their great men, exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Paul the Apostle also spoke about this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, and behaving as ordinary men? Well, God has called those who believe in his wonderful Son to be different from ordinary men. Unfortunately, the Corinthians were not. But thank God for the record. They are a lesson to us, and we can learn from how they displease God and not be like them. Now the next is anger. What is anger? It's a blaze of temper flaring into violent words and even actions. That's a work of the flesh, as is selfishness. When life revolves around oneself, that person is selfish. And he is self-seeking instead of caring. But God has a better way, and it's expressed in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, where Paul writes, Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, this expresses love. It's reaching out for the good of other people, and that's what love is about, doing good for others at your expense. Now, there's dissension that's in the list, and this means to stand apart from others. Often it leads to forming a camp consisting of only those who agree with a person. Paul warned of such in Romans chapter 16. He said, I appeal to you, brethren, to take note of those who create dissensions and difficulties in opposition to the doctrine which you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by fair and flattering words they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. Paul also lists party spirit or heresies. 
Do we have any evidences of party spirit in the world today? We do. It's sectarianism. The Greek word means taking or choosing a side and then separating from others. When a Christian group will not accept another group's baptism of a believer, you have an example of party spirit. Then there's envy, and it's that feeling of displeasure when someone else achieves success or has something. Envy is a soul-destroying vice. It caused the sons of Israel to sell their brother Joseph to the Egyptians. Now, the fourth group of works include drunkenness and carousings. Drunkenness is gluttony with beverages. The Bible condemns the abuse of drinking, but not drinking. There are too many people who want to do away with everything rather than to control themselves. Let your moderation be known to all men. That's the standard for the Christian. And nowhere in the Bible is the drinking of wine condemned. Yet there are many churches that won't let you be a member if you do drink wine. Now, what are carousings? This refers to drinking parties and feasts that have no limits. This describes the orgies of the Romans. Carousings describe those activities of men where they have no self-control. But Paul doesn't stop here with this in the list. He adds, and the like. The list, in other words, is not exhaustive of the sins of human nature. There are other things which could be added to the list. So don't take comfort in a practice which you may participate in but are ashamed of because it's not in the list. Now, Paul next says, I warn you, and he uses a present tense. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. The present tense indicates a practice of something or a lifestyle, not a single act. Paul does not say, you who do such things. He here refers to unbelievers who do such things and warns the Galatians that those unbelievers are not heirs of heaven. So he says, you ought not to imitate them. Now let me read that verse again. This is such an important passage, and it is greatly misunderstood. Paul writes, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He is using the men of the world who walk according to the flesh as examples and said, they are not heirs of God, so don't you, Christians, be like them. Now, this is quite similar to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Listen to the same kind of language. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's a true statement. People who live a lifestyle like that are not believers, and they have no inheritance from God. 
And Paul adds this to the Corinthians, And such were some of you, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. He's contrasting the Corinthians who once used to be like that, but no longer are. How were they washed? When they believed in Jesus Christ, there is a washing away of sin. It comes by faith, not by water. Faith takes away the sins of the world because it's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, the crucified one. He shed his blood for our sins. Unfortunately, there are many people in our churches who continue to look at what a person used to be rather than accepting the fact that he has believed in Christ and has been changed. God changes people. He sanctifies them. He washes them. And if God has washed a person of his sins, we ought to accept that person as washed and not hold his past against him. It's his future that's important, not his past. Well, we have completed the works of the flesh here, which are listed by Paul, and now we come to a much more pleasant part. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll take that up in our lesson tomorrow, and I hope you'll join me here. Are you aware that all of these teachings on Galatians are available on cassette tape for your purchase, along with many other short courses on cassette tape? Write today for our brochure entitled Teaching Tapes, until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.